How bad do you want it? We don't get what we want in this life. We get what we have to have. How bad do you want it? What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carrie Lee C podcast. I'm your host, Carrie, and I'm so excited to have you tuning in today. So, hello, namaste, and let's get this thing started. This is the first full episode since the rebrand, and I'm pretty excited to walk down this path with all of you. Today I want to talk about a lie I've told myself for a really, really long time. It's actually about all of the lies we tell ourselves on a daily basis regarding why we haven't, or rather why we think we can't, do something, and in my case, why I haven't lost the weight. This is a long story that involves a lot of different aspects of my personal journey with health And just as a quick disclaimer, I am not giving you any advice on how to approach your own. What you take from this episode is on you. I will give you a little warning, however, if you aren't comfortable discussing periods or women's health issues in general, then this episode might not be for you. But if you can handle it, I think that this episode will provide others with a really profound lesson that not everyone learns so easily. It's one thing I've been learning for most of my life. Let's go ahead and dive in. I'm taking you back to the very beginning of my journey and it starts at nine years old. For those of you who don't know, and for perspective, I'm 33 years old right now. But we're back this far because it's when I got my very first period at nine years old. It was terrifying. I had no idea what was happening and I remember thinking something was horribly wrong with me. I don't think that my mom and I had had the talk yet, and mom, if you're listening and I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Uh, but I don't remember having that conversation, and even if we had then, what unfolded must not have been what I had been expecting. Most of my friends ended up getting their periods between 10 and 14 years old. I was an early bloomer, as they say, I suppose. Early on, I don't remember having issues with my cycle, but it's possible that I had so much fear or lack of knowledge regarding the subject that I thought mine was normal. So fast forward to my high school era, and I'm having 17 to 20 periods a year. And for reference, most women have 9 to 12 per year. I never really looked into what the extra cycles meant or mean. I still haven't checked it out. I just know that for me it was exhausting and, quite frankly, annoying. A typical period lasts from three to seven days, and mine were normal on that front, but typically closer to seven. And the issue for me was that when you're having that many and they're there for that long, there feels like there's just absolutely no respite. If you're wondering how this all relates to my weight, I've never been a big fan of sports, but I played softball for a short stint when I was young. If anything was keeping me away from picking up a physical hobby, it was the one that my body already had. I didn't have the energy to go to practice and playing games, so I focused mostly on school where I could sit while I was still participating. While I was never overweight when I was younger, I struggled with body image and constant bloating, which just made me feel fat. 
Eventually, my mom took me to a doctor hoping to get me on birth control because it's supposed to be able to regulate your cycle, and this is when I had my first negative encounter with a doctor. She didn't believe in birth control, and she didn't hesitate <laughs> to share these beliefs during my appointment. Instead, she did a full physical exam, and I truly believe that this is what happened. She scared me into thinking I might have breast cancer, fully knowing my family history, because there's quite a bit of that there, in the hopes that it would keep me off the pill for longer. So a few weeks later, I had to go back to the doctor. I must have been like 17 or 18 years old at the time, and she had me do a breast ultrasound to check the lump she found. And you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes because I couldn't feel a lump. <laughs> I really didn't believe anything was there. but. She had me come in to check the lump to see if they thought it was cancer. The test was negative, thankfully, and I ended up getting a prescription for birth control. But my doctor made another doctor from the practice write it because, again, it was against her beliefs. At this point, she had me officially set up to distrust doctors. It's still an experience that I'll never forget. And the reason I mention her creating this distrust is because it's instrumental in the rest of my personal health journey. A few more years pass, and at this point I've decided there's got to be more women dealing with this than what the numbers portray. It's summer of 2011, I'm 21 at the time, and I imagine most of you don't know this about me, but I'd actually just enlisted in the military. I took the oath, I swore into the Marine Corps, because I was basically at a loss for everything at that point in my life, and I couldn't figure out what else to do. Thankfully, my health, or lack thereof, swooped in and saved the day. I actually hurt my knee running to pass the test to uh, go to boot camp. And they just kind of let me slide my way right out of there. To this day, it's one of the best accidents to ever have happened to me. Anyway, during this time period before hurting my knee, I'd been pretty physically active. I was running and working out the most I probably ever had, and I was feeling great when suddenly I started feeling this terrible pain in my lower right abdomen. Initially, I thought it was like appendicitis or something, like most people would since it's such common knowledge that that's the area in which it presents, but it went away the same day. A few days later, it was back, and now it was radiating to my lower back on the right side as well, but the pain felt deep and almost in between my front and back, and I couldn't pin it down. It was extremely hard to explain to somebody. The pain came and went like this for weeks with no particular rhythm. It would be there for a day and leave for a week. It'd be there for a week and leave for a day. It'd be constant for a month at some point and then leave for six and then return with a vengeance. It mostly hurt when I was standing or walking, but once I sat or laid down, it took hours to calm down. It got so bad that I couldn't stand up long enough to dry my hair, put on my makeup, cook a meal, or pretty much anything else. I began doing my hair sitting on the ground, and the same for my makeup, and I had to start bringing a chair to the stove so that I could cook a meal. The first time I went to the doctor for the pain, it was the emergency room. I was living in a new place. I had to leave work, and I drove myself to the hospital. It was excruciating, but by the time they saw me, I'd been sitting for hours waiting, and the pain was gone. I tried to describe it, but words failed me, and they told me I was trying to get painkillers, and released me with some Tylenol. The next day the pain was back and I was feeling extra defeated. I continued on like this for the next two years. 
occasionally stopping into the emergency room, only to be told that the pain was all in my head or that I was looking for drugs. And then finally, I made a real doctor's appointment. I went in and explained the pain, but again, I was pain-free during the actual appointment, so it was really difficult to describe. They thought it must be IBS or something to do with my intestines, so they signed me up for a colonoscopy at 23 years old. I had to have a friend take me to the hospital for the procedure and pick me up. It was humiliating. You know, at the end of the appointment, somebody comes whoever, you know, is going to drive you back. So it was this friend that I actually really didn't know that well at the time. They had to come sit in the room with me. Well, if, if you've ever had a colonoscopy, they pump a bunch of air into you and that's got to come out somehow. So this person I hardly knew was sitting in a hospital room with me, listening to me release that air. <laughs> it, it was not a great time. It also felt incredibly defeating because the results said that there was nothing wrong with me. And the doctor actually prescribed me a medication for my mental health because they thought I was making it up. Talk about hitting a low point. I had given up on working out. I was in an incredible amount of pain by this time and I really thought my life would just kind of be like that forever. I could not wrap my brain around what the issue was and eventually I kind of began to question myself because everyone basically kept telling me that I was crazy. I was admittedly pretty fit at the time, but still the heaviest I had ever been because I just could not move. I ended up seeing a urologist who didn't identify the pain, but I did find out that I have something called interstitial cystitis and an overactive bladder, so lucky me. <laughs> I saw a bone specialist. I had three CT scans, an MRI, I've had probably a dozen ultrasounds, x-rays, I've had blood tests, obviously the colonoscopy, and then finally, after what felt like a hundred doctor appointments over about a period of a year, I got recommended for a pain clinic. A pain clinic is a healthcare facility that focuses on the diagnosis and management of chronic pain. All of the doctors I'd seen had given up and I was being labeled as someone with chronic pain because they either didn't believe me or couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, and I wouldn't leave them alone. While I wanted to be happy because maybe this place would be able to ease the pain, I was more frustrated than anything because it basically meant that I would never get answers. When I say the management of chronic pain, what I mean is that they dole out heavy drugs like opioids. In my case, they wrote me a prescription for 120 Loratab, that's hydrocodone, per month with a three-month advanced script. <laughs> Fun fact, if you're a drug dealer, that's about $600 of Loratab a month. They would actually drug test everyone who came into the facility to make sure you were taking your pills and nothing else, and they would count them at each visit. On top of that, you were required to show up within one day's notice for random appointments, obviously, to keep the drug dealers away. Well, the Loratab didn't work, so I stopped taking it. The only thing to ever touch the pain before this was morphine at an emergency room visit, and so I stopped going before I even reached the third month. In 2014, as a last-ditch effort to figure out what the hell was happening to me, I did yet another Google search and I stumbled across a word I did not recognize. Endometriosis. What was that? I'd never heard of it before, but Google was telling me that a number of the symptoms I was searching matched the disease. Endometriosis is an often painful disorder in which tissue similar to the tissue that normally lines the inside of your uterus 
the endometrium, grows outside of your uterus. Endometriosis most commonly involves your ovaries, fallopian tubes, and the tissue lining your pelvis. Rarely, endometrial-like tissue may be found beyond the area where pelvic organs are located, and you can thank Mayo Clinic for that wonderful explanation. There is a long list of symptoms, and women who have interstitial cystitis often have endometriosis, what they call its evil twin, and so I was convinced. This had to be what was going on with me. In that moment, I made what some would call a very reckless decision. <laughs> and again, this is not medical advice or even personal advice, but it's what worked for me. I learned everything I possibly could about endometriosis. I memorized the symptoms, and then I made an appointment directly with a specialist. When I walked into the appointment, I knew what the outcome would be because I was sick of leaning on others and waiting for them to decide if I was a worthy enough candidate to focus on. The specialist asked me a number of questions. Did I have this symptom? I said yes. Did I have that symptom? I said yes. Did I feel pain here or there? Yes, yes, yes. And then I told her additional symptoms that I'd read online. I was convinced, even though not all of my symptoms matched, that this was what was wrong. I admit it. I straight up lied. Because I wanted the test, and the only way to diagnose endometriosis correctly is through laparoscopic surgery. At the end of the appointment, the specialist said to me, Well, I'm 99.9% .9 sure you have endometriosis. And in my head I thought, yeah, I bet you are, because I knew what I had done. After that, she said, let's go ahead and book the appointment. So three weeks later, I went for a diagnostic laparoscopic surgery, which is outpatient, meaning you go in and leave the hospital the same day. They put me to sleep, made four small incisions in my abdomen, near my belly button, one near each hip, and one at the top of my bikini line, and then filled me with gas to kind of like space out my organs. I woke up screaming in pain after the surgery because I had such a high medication tolerance. They weren't working. They had just given me more about 30 minutes prior to me waking up. So the whole going to the doctor for pain meds thing was finally out because they weren't even doing anything for me. And finally, the results were in. I did have endometriosis, and it was all over my left ovary, not my right. I didn't have any on my right side. It was all on the left. I was simultaneously filled with joy and despair. I was right, but I was also wrong. I had lied my way into this appointment, and they found what I swore I had, but it wasn't the cause of my intense, life-altering pain. It took me days to be able to move around after that surgery. The gas they pump into your abdomen has to break down on its own, and that takes time. It took months for my abdomen to feel right. I was happy to have caught the endometriosis on my ovary before there was irreparable damage, but I also felt really defeated again because I couldn't figure it out. I went back to my life of pain, working and carrying on, and since I was working nights and weekends, making it to the gym was a rare occasion. For years, I continued to just put my health on the back burner while I climbed the ladder of hierarchy and started working in more sedentary roles within the restaurant industry. And luckily over time, the pain started to subside. It would still randomly appear on occasion, but the frequency was at a minimum. And so I bring you to the here and now. 
my pain resurfaces from time to time and it wasn't until recently that it finally clicked. All these years I'd been working physical jobs, collecting grocery carts, working with the elderly and lifting them in the restaurant industry, lifting heavy boxes, carrying trays, bending and standing, and I never noticed the correlation. To be fair, neither did my doctors with all of their scans and tests. It's a musculoskeletal issue. I was recently in the gym and relatively new to lifting pretty heavy. I was attempting a deadlift with what I now know was poor form and felt something pinch in my right lower back. Immediately, I was in the same pain I'd very rarely felt over the past year. Holy crap, I cracked the code while simultaneously cracking something in my back. I'd never actually felt the injury happen in the past. And it makes sense that it was an aggravated muscle since it never showed up on a scan. I feel like I've just been giving myself a pass on exercising for the past 10 years because of the pain. And you know, maybe if I had strengthened my back, I would have fixed the issues and been further along. Recently, I'd been feeling frustrated by my lack of progress in the weight loss arena. And I thought, there might be something wrong with me. And I have to ask, why is that always my first thought? And I'm sure other people feel this way too. I felt like I was doing everything right. So how was I not seeing progress? And this is where the weight loss lie comes into play. I made a doctor's appointment to get my thyroid and hormones checked, just in case. And guess what? I'm the picture of health. I'm out of excuses. Obviously, it's me who is doing something wrong, not my body. But my first thought is to assume that something's wrong. It couldn't possibly be that I've underestimated the calories I'm eating or that I'm not being proactive enough. No, it couldn't be that. I understand that some people do have physical impairments holding them back, but that's not my story. It was in the beginning, but it's not now. And if that's the case, I'm not talking to you in the next part. Stop making excuses. Stop trying to blame someone or something else for your lack of willpower. Stop telling yourself these lies about weight loss that are not going to help you in the long run. Even when my body and back weren't acting up, I told myself a plethora of excuses as to why I shouldn't or couldn't work out. You know what's really showing me some progress? Consistency. Focusing more on nutrient-dense food rather than deeming certain food as bad or off-limits. Lifting super heavy things and focusing on all aspects of my health rather than just diet and fitness. Like creativity and writing and recording these episodes. The last time I was at a weight where I felt truly happy. You know what I was doing? I was busy being busy. I wasn't focused on food or calories, and I wasn't obsessed with what I was gonna eat next. I can tell you that being busy in general has been super beneficial because not only is it good for my weight, but it's been fantastic for my mental health. And it's also helping me to progress in other areas such as with this show, social media, and many of the other projects I've been working on. So why did I lie to myself for so long? Why did I put it off? It's because it was easier than doing the work. The weight loss lie is whatever you make it. What is the lie you've been telling yourself that you can't lose the weight? Or take it a step further and let the weight loss lie be representative of something else. What lie have you been telling yourself that allows you to keep putting something off? What is the lie you've been telling yourself that you can't do the thing you want to do? 
It's just like the concept of saying, I can't, and basically willing it to be true. If you say it often enough, you begin to believe it. If you tell yourself the weight loss lie enough, you'll believe that too. For so many years, I ignored what my body was trying to tell it. It needed attention. It needed me to do something different. It's fair and completely valid to get yourself checked out if you think that there is something holding you back. And I did. But once you know that there is no excuse, then what's your excuse? For me, I know that I'm out of excuses. I recently heard something that I've definitely heard before, but this was said in a new way that really resonated with me for whatever reason. I heard it on a new playlist I've started listening to at the gym, and when it came on, honestly, I'm surprised I didn't skip it and move on to the next song. It was a motivational speech to music and kind of like gym sounds of weights hitting other weights in the background. And this guy was basically telling you, it's gym time, you know, reach your goals. And for whatever reason, I felt compelled to keep listening. And so about halfway through, he says, how bad do you want it? And we've all heard that. How bad do you want something, right? He says, how bad do you want it? We don't get what we want in this life. And now typically what I've heard is we get what we work for or whatever. And so he said, how bad do you want it? We don't get what we want in this life. We get what we have to have. So how bad do you want it? And let me just tell you that I have listened to this speech every time I've gone to the gym since I've heard it. And sometimes when I'm struggling, I put it on repeat. I can't get enough of it because I can really get in my head. And what hit me so differently here was the part where he says we get what we have to have. Because there are plenty of things in life that I've wanted that I didn't buy or go after or try to get. And so, you know, wanting something doesn't necessarily make it a priority in your life. But for me, losing the weight and getting into the best shape of my life or my desired shape or, you know, whatever your fitness goal is or goal outside of fitness for that matter. For me, this is something I have to have, and I've never really sat down and thought about it. It was something I wanted, sure, but was I willing to put in the hard work? And now that I'm out of excuses, I definitely feel like it's something I have to have. So I want you to sit down and think about not what you want in this life, but what do you have to have? If you get to your last day on this planet and you're missing this one thing, what would be the thing you'd regret not having gone after? Thank you for listening. Go ahead and hit that follow button and we'll see you in the next episode.